Do you hear that? The soft crackling of the campfire? What does it make you think of? Cold nights camping in your backyard, maybe. Roasting marshmallows and hot dogs with friends. The sound of the ocean, or the woods, or even traffic if you're close enough to civilization. What about those odd snaps of branches breaking, leaves rustling? Is it just a curious animal wandering past, or something more sinister? It's been speculated that the concept of gathering around a fire as the sun goes down to share stories dates back at least 400,000 years. Over the centuries, families and tribes would use that time to reflect on the day, dance and sing and tell grand tales of their ancestors and everyday life. Of course, this also brings out the strange and surreal, the moon and starlit skies awakening imagination of the supernatural, as well as a sense of vulnerability to malevolent spirits, predators, and antagonists countered by security and numbers. Campfire tales and stories have a special place in the realm of storytelling. What could be seen as innocent or even humorous becomes something much more frightening under the glow of a dancing fire in the dark night. Noises seem to stop, as if in a vacuum, waiting and hanging on the storyteller's words. Your mind begins to wander, lost in the narrative. Every noise that permeates your bubble, becoming a monster stalking your group, a crazed inmate from the mental hospital over the hill, or an alien spacecraft waiting to take you away. Even in recent times, with the advent of technology, we still have a knack for going out in isolation with a group of friends and facing our fears through storytelling. Over the course of the last century, we found these campfires provide new opportunities to scare and thrill us so that even the safety of our own backyard isn't enough to keep the terror from sinking in. While monsters and foul beasts are fun and thrilling to imagine skulking about, there's something a little more intimidating when the monster is more human-like. Urban legends have painted human monsters into existence and given cause for suspicion and a need to check behind us as we walk in a crowd or in the back seats of our cars before we get in. And while there are many ways these monsters seek to harm us, one iconic symbol has captured our imaginations most often. As the 20th century moved into its second half, Tales begin being passed around in the pale moonlight and the warm glow of a dying fire. Teenagers and young adults both were warned and told cautionary tales, and children sought to frighten each other about the man from the mental institution. Pleas for young couples to stay in public areas were mostly ignored, all due to one unfortunate run-in with the man who stalks Lover's Lane. The deformed mental patient with one hand, the hook man. It's no surprise that removing the hand of a villain or monster and replacing it with a hook or similar tool is a popular trope in literature and film. The thought of a deformed stump covered by a sharp, intimidating weapon is an easy way to elicit a visceral reaction 
and anyone. From the early stories of sinister pirates in the 15th century to the more recent Candyman, we have enjoyed adding that quite recognizable curved blade, amongst other hand replacements, to our creepy malefactors for centuries. During the height of urban legends in the mid-20th century, a story was passed around to open ears, providing a cautionary tale to adults and teenagers alike. Don't find yourself alone on Lover's Lane, the tale provided, or you too could face the evil that lurks in the night. While the underlying moral statement was obvious, sex and love should never be explored by the young, many speculate that these tales were created due to a real-life string of deadly attacks. For ten weeks, in the spring of 1946, a mysterious monster attacked eight teenagers in Texarkana, a county between Arkansas and Texas. Dubbed the Phantom Slayer, this unknown assailant would single out young teens parked out by themselves to enjoy some quality time. Over half of those attacked would never return home. As a result of these tragic events, in true folk story fashion, the facts begin to be stretched and details added to provide that word of warning to teens across the country. The killer, nameless and faceless, became more volatile and dangerous. In many stories, the killer came equipped with the now infamous hook hand. Some tales did add an element of death and a new layer of horror, driving the point home to those foolish enough to take the risk. This story first began circulating in the 1950s, told through word of mouth like most folk tales and urban legends. The first recorded version of this tale, however, came in the form of a letter written into a famous newspaper gossip column by the name of Dear Abby. In this letter, the story is told in a condensed version, but the heart of it remains the same. Two teenagers in Lover's Lane, reports of an escaped convict in an interrupted news bulletin, a hook found on the car door after the teens narrowly escape without knowing just how close they were. Like many urban legends, this is told in a format which betrays a this is something I heard from a friend feel. There's always a sense of never knowing if the events that are passing along are based in reality, but better safe than sorry is how it's viewed. One would expect that this type of morality-based tale of the dangers of teen love would have stayed in its time period. But there are reports and chain letters started as recent as the 1980s of the same version of events, the same hook-handed killer haunting the back streets of America. It seems that as long as there are lusty teens hiding in cars on the back roads, there will always be a phantom ready to strike against them. As I mentioned previously, the hook hand trope has been a mainstay in media for centuries. Many real-life tales of pirates with limbs missing replaced with various tools came from the Caribbean to frighten voyagers traveling across the sea. The 1851 novel, Moby Dick, 
featured a seaman with a harpoon replacing his lost arm. Many of the pirates in Robert Louis Stevenson's classic novel, Treasure Island, featured a vast array of pirates with lost limbs, setting the pirate template for years to come. In more recent times, villains such as Dr. No from James Bond, killers found in TV series such as Witchblade and Highlander, and even comedies like Married with Children and M.A.S.H. used a hook hand to provide fear or laughs, respectively. The season 2 episode of Spongebob Squarepants Graveyard Shift ties in closely to the feel of an urban legend come to life with the hash-slinging slasher played up for comedic effect. The Hookman in season 1 of Supernatural played host to the real Hookman as a priest come to life to punish those he found unclean, coming closest to the original origins of a killer hunting young lovers. All of these pale in comparison to the classic villain many proclaim as the start of the hook hand trope. In the early 20th century, a child's play about an eternally young boy with a fairy companion was formed in the mind of J.M. Barry. As the play developed, the creator knew he needed a villain who can enrapture and frighten those absorbed in his world. Knowing children's fascinations with pirates, Barry expanded the small role of an antagonistic pirate captain into the man who's haunted Neverland and nightmares for over a century, Captain James Hook. While the Disney movies made the hook-handed captain a more comical figure, many stories and tales told of Hook are much more sinister in nature. He has been associated with other frightening pirates of lore, including Blackbeard and Long John Silver. His cunning nature and elegance provide a well-portrayed mask of his true underlying motive of hunting down his rival, the ever-youthful Peter Pan. Over the years, his character has been portrayed in multiple films, plays, books, and TV shows, most recently on Once Upon a Time as an on-again, off-again villain with a fear for a more humanoid crocodile. Despite being a more recent creation, Captain Hook has certainly provided a strong basis for all of our hook-handed monsters and set the stage for the debut of our own Hookman. Fairy Tales is a podcast dedicated to exploring how human fears have manifested in folk tales, urban legends, and visual media. It is written and produced by me. Music is provided by Nicholas Gasparini. New episodes will be released every Wednesday. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, as well as rate and review. Every bit of feedback is valuable to me, and I will be sure to give you a shout-out on a future show. Special thanks to Horror Girl for their review on Stitcher last week. Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FairyTales13, F-E-A-R-Y-T-A-L-E-S-1-3. Now, grab a warm drink for this cool night. Lock the doors 
check under the bed and in the closet. Settle into your favorite seat and listen closely. It's time for another fairy tale. Once upon a time, there was a young couple, very much in love. Like all of those in love, they couldn't get enough of each other and spent as much time as possible together. Since they were teenagers, they both lived at home, and this made private time a rarity, thus forcing them to spend many of their dates out at the local lover's lane. On one such night, the young couple was in their usual space after a showing at the local theater. They were truly alone, the only car overlooking the small town below. The boy parked the car, turned off the engine so only the radio was on. Music filled the small car and the two began to touch and kiss as only those young and in love can manage. The minutes passed as the mood intensified until the music suddenly stopped, catching the attention of the couple. A moment of silence, static, barely audible. Then the announcer's voice, deep and ominous, broke the silence. Please be advised that we have just received word that there has been a breakout at the State Insane Asylum. Please be on the lookout and immediately notify the authorities if you see the inmate. He is said to be dressed in white clothes, long-haired, bearded, and with a hook in place of his right hand. Do not attempt to engage this individual. He is considered to be very dangerous. Notify the authorities immediately. The voice drops out as suddenly as it arrived and the music resumes. The boy turns back to his girlfriend and moves in close to her, looking to resume what was interrupted. She was not as willing. Isn't the asylum just a mile away from here? She inquired, nervousness creeping into her voice. Shouldn't we just head home? The boy just chuckled. He could be anywhere, really. A mile is a long way to go, and I doubt he'd head towards town where people could catch him. He locks the doors and pulls the girl back to him, kissing her on the cheek. See, nobody can get us. We'll be just fine. Torn between fear and love, the girl tentatively allows the boy to continue kissing her softly. More time passes, and it's not long before the girl is reacting to sounds from outside the car. I'm sorry, can we please just go? She asks. The panic settling in now. Frustrated, the boy pulls back just as a loud snap comes from outside the car, just behind them. I'm telling you, the boy argues, looking around through the windows and the mirrors. There's nobody out there. It's probably just a dumb animal. The girl starts crying now. Please. Tears start falling down her face. The boy, annoyed now, puts the key back in the ignition and fires up the engine. As he puts the car into gear and moves forward, they both jump as a loud, scraping echoes from the passenger side of the car. The boy hits the gas pedal and the car jumps forward as they find the road and leave their spot. 
The car ride back into town is tense. The silence palpable. The voice sits fuming. The girl silently sobbing. Feeling a bit foolish, but starting to relax the further they drive. Pulling up to the girl's house, she squeaks out an apology as the boy glares out his window. She pulls the door handle, steps out, and turns around, closing the door. As it latches shut, she stops, a look of terror creeping onto her face. A scream rings out, and the boyfriend flies out of his side of the car and races around to see what has caused such a reaction. There, on the car handle, at the end of a trail of blood smeared across the side of the car, hangs a bloody hook.